The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. All through the years of Jesus' recorded ministry, one thing kept the people spellbound. It was his ability to say things in a manner which had never been said before. Just a brief glimpse in the Gospels proves this beyond question. As we read Matthew chapter, 20, uh, chapter 7, verses 28 through 29, the Bible says uh, that the people were astonished at his doctrine because he had taught with power and authority. In Luke chapter 4, in verse number 22, the Bible says the people who heard him speak here were again amazed at the power of his spoken word. Even his enemies were astounded at the words that Jesus spoke. And even his enemies said, the officers that were there in John chapter number 7, verse 46, said, never man spake like this man. Nobody spoke like Jesus spoke. Uh, Nobody had the words, the power, the authority that Jesus had. When Jesus spoke, people listened. When Jesus spoke, people were astounded. They were amazed. They marveled at his words. Then we take a few minutes to consider some of the things that Jesus actually said in John chapter 8 and verse 58. Some of the greatest statements of the Bible. Before Abraham was, I am. Aren't you glad for that? He didn't say I was. He says I am. That's because he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Uh, he didn't say I, I was because he was never, uh, never not. He had never not existed. He, he was before. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. And boy, they were taken back as they took up stones to stone him. They knew what he said. In John chapter 10 and verse number 30, Jesus made the great statement, I and my Father are one. Boy, if anybody would have to say tonight that Jesus isn't God, they'd have to deal with that that statement from the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that Jesus was God in the flesh, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus said, I and the Father, I and my Father are one. In John chapter 14 and verse number 9, he said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He said, the only, one, only way you can come to the Father is through me. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Don't cut me off, uh, Brother Andy. I don't know if you turn me down or whatever. Uh, I will come in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What a statement. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 20, the Lord says, Surely I come quickly. I come quickly. John chapter 6, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. What statements from the Lord Jesus Christ? Boy, every single one of those statements is a gold mine of theological truth. And absolutely necessary to our understanding of who Jesus Christ really is. But in this passage that we read tonight, there's a statement that's made by the Lord Jesus that may be the single greatest statement ever given. Jesus was on the cross, while he was on the cross, made seven wonderful statements. But here in verse number 30, he makes a three-word statement and says, It is 
finished. It is saying for years, liberals and unbelievers have declared that this cry of Jesus from the cross was a cry of defeat. That he's saying it's over, if you would. It's over. Jesus didn't say it was over. Jesus didn't say he was done. Jesus said it is finished. He said it's finished. They say that this is the word of a man who lost everything. However, they're a million miles from the truth on the matter. This English phrase is from a word that's very expressive and filled with meaning. In fact, it's a word that's used in many areas of our society. A servant would use the term it's finished when he finished his job, when he finished his task that was at hand. A priest would use the same word when a sacrificial animal was found to be worthy and used and applied and that, that, uh, that sacrifice was accepted. A farmer would use the word when a perfect specimen had been born into the flock. Uh, an artist would use the word when the final touches had been applied to his masterpiece. Uh, a merchant would use the word when a deal had been struck and the haggling had been ended. It, its usage meant that both parties were satisfied. That everything that needed to be done was done and nothing more needed to be done. That's what Jesus was saying. He's saying everything that needed to be accomplished was accomplished. Every scripture that needed to be fulfilled was fulfilled. Every task, every job, everything that Jesus came to earth to do, Jesus said, I've done it. It's finished. It's been accomplished. There's no more things left to do uh, for uh, it to be done. And I want to give you three things that I believe uh, were finished on Calvary. Number one, tonight the pain was finished. The pain was finished. As we think of the death that he died on the cross, uh, think about the pain tonight. The death Jesus died was absolute torture. The Bible tells us in Matthew 27 that he was scourged. In Luke 22 that he was beaten In Matthew 27, that he was spit upon and that he was mocked and that he was nailed to the cross and that he was stripped naked. And Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6 tells us that his beard was plucked from his face. You think about the worst thing that you could do to a human being. It was done to our precious Savior and it was done so that all might be accomplished for our salvation. But Jesus was saying, hey, listen. All this pain, I drank the cup. I drank the cup. Boy, it's finished. The pain's over. The suffering's done. And, and boy, Jesus, the Bible says he spoke those words and he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. And can we remember tonight that Jesus said, nobody takes my life. Nobody takes my life. Jesus wasn't a martyr that died for his faith. He was a savior who died for the sins of the world. Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus laid down his life. Uh, Jesus' life wasn't taken from him. Jesus' life was offered for us. We think about that tonight as Jesus died for us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait until we paid for our sin. We could never pay for our sin. Jesus didn't wait until uh, uh, something else uh, had to be added to it. Or, uh, uh, Jesus didn't uh, wait for someone else to accomplish the work. Jesus said, I've come to do the works of him that sent me. And he said, boy, when I'm done, it's going to be done. It's going to be finished. And Jesus said, it is finished. The pain was finished. The shame was finished. The Bible says that he endured the cross and he despised the shame. Not only was there pain which the Savior endured for you and me, but there was shame 
Hebrews 12 and verse number 2 tells us that. Think of it. The Son of God was stripped naked before the world and nailed to the cross. He endured the most shameful death that anyone could ever know. As we understand, when uh, prisoners are executed today, it's done clinically and privately and, and quietly behind closed doors. But when Jesus died for the sins of the world, they didn't do it behind closed doors. They didn't clin- uh, clinically do it and end it softly and end it quietly. Jesus was unnamed naked on a cruel cross before the the whole entire world, before the whole public world could see, hey, he was there to accomplish uh, our salvation and he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes tonight we are healed. Boy, we went astray. We didn't deserve uh, him to die for us. The pain, the shame. In fact, the crucifixion, was one of the primary reasons the Jews refused to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the only way that Jesus could purchase their redemption. The pain, the shame, think about this, the judgment. The judgment, there was severe pain, there was cruel shame, but perhaps the greatest agony Jesus suffered while on the cross was the judgment that came from his Father. When Jesus was on that cross, he literally became the sin's of the world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21 that he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, uh, I deserve to die on that cross. I deserve hell tonight. I deserve to suffer for my sins tonight. But Jesus said, hey, listen, I'll become sin for you so you can become righteousness through me. I'm glad that Jesus did that for us. He didn't just take our pain. He didn't just take our shame. Jesus took our judgment. You see, God is not just a God of love. He's a just God. His love doesn't undo His justice. Uh, God's a God of love, and because He loved us, He said, I've got to uh, lay myself down. I've got to offer myself because uh, somebody has to pay for this sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. The Bible says, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. The truth is tonight if we say that we have no sin, we're a liar. And the truth is not in us. We understand tonight there's none righteous. No, not one. That all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And no matter how good that we think we are tonight, it was our sin that nailed him to the cross. It was our sin that caused the Father to turn his back on him. It was our sin that punished the Lord Jesus Christ. But he took it for us. He took the judgment that we deserved. This was the greatest agony that Jesus was forced to endure. Because while he was on the cross, for the first time ever, there was a a distance, there was a separation, there was a, it, there was a forsaking of the Father to the Son. Jesus looked up and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God the Father forsook God the Son for us. For us. Why did he do it? Well, for two profound reasons. He loved us. Listen, didn't he declare it to us? He said, I love you. I love you. But listen, it couldn't be just declared. It had to be demonstrated. It had to be demonstrated. God said he loved us, but then he 
showed us that he loved us. God commendeth his love toward us. He demonstrated his love toward us. How did he do that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man uh, would would, would some die, give their lives. I tell you tonight that uh, some people would give their lives for good people, for people that they love. But the Bible says that Jesus died for us when we were sinners. When we hated him, when we didn't love him, when we didn't know him, when we didn't seek him, when we didn't desire him, and we didn't want to turn from our sins to the Savior, Jesus saw us in our sin and he said, I love you and let me show you how much I love you. We never knew to love him until he first loved us. We never even wanted, desired to love him. Some people look at Jesus and say, I love him. I love him. Listen. If you won't live for him, you don't love him. You don't love him. Jesus died for you so that you could live for him. The pain was finished. Number two, tonight the plan was finished. The plan was finished. When Jesus reached the end of his ministry on the cross, he was finishing a work that had begun before the world was ever formed. From the beginning of time, God had always planned to send his son to die for sinners. This was his Promised to Adam in Genesis in chapter number 3. This was portrayed in offerings and sacrifices at the tabernacle and at the temple. Over and over and over again, the blood of bulls and rams and goats were shed. And if you put them all those sacrifices together, they flow like a deep river of blood. And not a one of them could wash our sins away. Boy, they were pictorial. They were symbolic. But they were temporary. They couldn't handle our sin. Boy, we'd still be killing animals. We could annihilate every animal from the planet and our sin would still remain tonight. We could sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice, but only one sacrifice would be sufficient. It wasn't by the blood uh, blood of bulls and goats, but this high priest, this high priest did enter into the Holy of Holies once for all and offer His blood on the mercy seat. And God says, yes, it's finished. It's done. Sacrifice has been made. No more bulls. No more sacrifices. No more bloodshed. Jesus did away with all of it with His sacrifice on the cross. The plan was finished. Everything God did pointed to this day when Jesus would lay down His life on the cross. And since the dawn of time, when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, God killed an animal to cover their nakedness. Death and suffering and bloodshed were always a part of mankind's coming to the Lord. We read the Old Testament, what a bloody bunch of books. People killing each other, and people killing animals, and people making all kinds of uh, sacrifices and sacrifices. We look back and say, what a terrible thing, what a terrible thing. And listen, we look at the cross, what a terrible thing. As we heard that song tonight, a beautiful but a terrible cross. Terrible cross. Listen, just thinking about the cross causes us to well up in tears in our eyes and in our hearts and thankfulness for what Christ endured for us. We see it in Exodus chapter 12 when the children of Israel killed the Passover lamb on the eve of the Exodus. And we see it on the Day of Atonement when the lambs were killed to make atonement for the people. We see it in the blood that was shed for thousands of years that would again run like a vast river if it were collected and allowed to flow together. However, all this bloodshed and all this death and all this suffering didn't save a one person. It was only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ.
And by the way, tonight it's still through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All that blood and all that death did one thing. It merely rolled the sins of one offering the sacrifice ahead for a period of time. It withheld the judgment of God because the person offering the sacrifice did so to uh, acknowledge a more complete and excellent sacrifice that would be offered for the sins. It was done in faith, trusting that one day the Messiah would come, the Lamb of God that John the Baptist identified on the shores of the Jordan River when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. Jesus came, the Lamb that would be shed, the blood that would be shed for us. We see in that blood shed for thousands of years in the Old Testament was complete in one moment on the cross. And Jesus said, it is finished. While the Old Testament sacrifices did nothing to remove the sins of the people, the death of Jesus on the cross did everything to deal with the sin issue forever. You know, I'm glad we have an answer tonight, aren't you? We don't have to say, oh, what are we going to do? People are sinners. People are dying, and uh, they're dying without, uh, they're going to die and go to hell. What's the answer? The remedy is Jesus Christ tonight. There's no other answer. There's no other way. There's no other truth. There's no other life. Nobody comes to the Father but through the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Oh, there's a thief. He cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. Now everything God requires to make men righteous and take away their sins is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's just one means of salvation. And regardless of who you are, you must be washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and you must be born again. The pain of redemption was finished. The plan of redemption was finished. And lastly tonight, the payment was finished. The payment was finished. We mentioned uh, earlier that when a businessman would finish a transaction, when the deal had been reached between two parties and both were satisfied, that word was used, finish. And it's finished, it meant that God the Father in heaven was satisfied with what Jesus the Son had done on the cross. God accepted the Son's death and shed blood as a perfect payment for our sins. What was Jesus saying? He's saying, my payment, my sacrifice is complete. It's done. There's no more deals that need to be made. You know what's sad? is that today, everywhere, people are still trying to make deals with God. They're trying to, you know, through their religious uh, practices, through their rituals, uh, uh, through their denominational names, and uh, uh, through uh, their, uh, their birth, and through how they were raised, and what religion. Listen, it, God is not going to, when you stand before the throne, ask you what denomination you were raised in. He's going to ask you, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Boy, he's not going to have to ask the question because he knows. He knows. He knows whether they've been born again. In that day, many many are crying, Lord, Lord, did we not? Did we not? And what are they going to do? They're going to try to make their deals with God. Look at what we did. Look at our works. We did all this stuff, and we did it in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you because you never trusted in the Lamb. You never put your faith and trust in me. Listen, you can't make a deal with God 
the deal's already been made. The deal's already been done. The transaction's already been closed. There's no more deals to make. It's only accepting the deal that's already been done that we can be saved. It's putting your faith and trust in that deal that Jesus Christ completed. That transaction that was completed. That payment that was made. You see, sin required a payment and Jesus made the payment. Hey, aren't you glad when you make that last mortgage payment? Some of you say, I think the day will never come. Aren't you glad when you made that last car payment? When you finished it, you just thought, boy, I don't have to pay for this anymore. Boy, we were excited when we got it. But then when we got that first bill, (laughs) we got that first bill. Aren't we going to be excited for the day? No more bills. I think we should add that to the no more pain, right? No more bills. Hey, I'm glad. There's not one thing that I need to do tonight for myself. There's not one work that I need to accomplish tonight for myself. There's not one duty that I need to complete for myself tonight. There's not one thing that I could do to earn salvation. It's already been done in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need to do anything else. We just need to take what's been done and say, it's enough. I believe it. Listen, uh, Jesus said the payment was finished. That's why the Bible can tell us that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means the idea of appeasing. It literally refers to the covering of the Ark of the Covenant or the place where the blood was applied on the Day of Atonement. Jesus is what satisfies and appeases God. And here's the thing. You and I could never do that. I could never please God. I could never appease God. All the things that I could try to attempt to do would fall short of His glory, would fall short of His holiness, would fall short of His perfection. You know, that's good news for people like you and me. Boy, we know we're sinners tonight, don't we? It's good news to the ones that know, hey, I can't do anything anyway. Uh, You know, it's easy when we know we don't have any money in the pocket to make the payment. When you know you're bankrupt, it's a lot easier to accept it by faith. You know, the people who have a hard time, the people that think they got a lot, the people that think they are a lot, the people that think they can stand before God and don't have to answer, for anything. You know, one day every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that He is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day we're going to understand, and by the way, every, everybody's going to cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb, because He's holy. You know, you and I could never be holy except for Him. Except for Him. Think about it tonight. For that thought that if anybody knew that you had, that you'd be so ashamed to think that someone would know that thought that you had. Jesus hung unashamed on a cross naked for you. He did that for us. He wasn't ashamed of us. 
He wasn't ashamed to die for us. Boy, they mocked him. They ridiculed him. They said, if you're God, then come off the cross. And Jesus said, because I am God, i got to stay on the cross. If you're God, prove it. And Jesus said, just you wait. Three days are coming. Because I'm going to walk right out of that grave. Death could not hold him. Sin could not keep him down. Satan could not own him. Because Jesus was done. He was finished. The payment was finished. Since Jesus had satisfied the Father that I don't have to. You know what that means tonight? You and I don't have to work for our salvation. Aren't you glad for that? You know what? You can let yourself off the hook tonight. You can stop trying to get saved and just trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that He can save you. And some people say, I hope I'm going to get there. I hope that I'll get, I hope that one day, you know, I hope when they put my good on the scale with my bad, that the good's going to outweigh the bad. Hey, how many know that bad weighs a lot more than good? You could spend your whole life doing a bunch of good stuff, and you do one bad thing, and it'll just eradicate it all, doesn't it? Go ahead and just ask David tonight. David, a man after God's own heart, committed one sin, and in doing so, he lost his character and his testimony. Boy, he was a good man, and thankfully, he died the friend of God. And he repented of his sin and turned back to God. And the Lord blessed him, and the Lord forgave him. Aren't you glad for God's mercy tonight? But I tell you, tonight, he didn't look at David and say, I forgive you because you're good. He said, I forgive you because I'm good. God never forgives us because we're good. He forgives us because He's good. And He's always good, isn't He? And He's never not good. He's always perfect and He's always complete. And He's always, always, always love and mercy and forgiveness. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Even if we tried, we could never please the Lord. Because we'll never be more than a sinner. We can't do it. However, he's already pleased with Jesus. If I'm found in Jesus, then I'm accepted by God. (laughs) He that hath the Son hath life. But he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. One of those amazing statements that Jesus said is, he says, I'm in you and you're in me. We are together. We are one. So that when God looks at the Son, when God looks at me, He sees the Son, and He's pleased. Hey, listen, you know what? He looks down from heaven, and like Jesus, when He was baptized of John in the Jordan River, He says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know what, tonight? Boy, I tell you, I'm so encouraged tonight, because when God looks down from heaven and sees me, He says, this is my beloved Son. In whom I'm well pleased. Not because of me, but because I'm in his son, Jesus. Boy, that's why we need to walk in him. That's why we need to abide in him. That's why we need to stay close to him. Because God's pleased with the son. And apart from the son, he's not pleased with one man. But boy, when we're in the son and he's in us, boy, God's pleased with us. 
It means we don't have to work for our salvation. It means that we don't have to try to be good. I don't know about you, but I'm done trying to be good. I tried. How about you? I tried to be good. You know what I found out? I couldn't be good. You know what makes us good? Jesus makes us good. You know, you stop trying, and then you start living from your new nature. You know, it just is like breathing for a Christian to do good works. See, a real believer doesn't have to try to be good. He's just good. Because the Holy Spirit's inside of him. And as long as we die to our flesh and we walk in the Spirit, boy, we don't have a problem being good anymore, do we? And such were some of you, but now you're clean. You know, some people try to do, they come and they come to church and they say, God, I'm going to try to be good this week. You know, you've got to stop trying to be good and just start resting in His goodness. Just stop trying. You can't make it trying. You just got to rest in the fact that he's already done. He's already finished. Every work that needed to be done was done through Christ. Boy, but then when a believer gets in Christ, he starts to work the works of Christ. He starts to do, hey, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, you don't have to pretend to be new or try to be new. If you're in Christ, you're new. And some people say, I'm just trying to polish it up. You can't rehab the old man. You can't clean up the old man. You can't cover up the old man. You can't wash the old man. The old man's got to die. The new man's got to live. Boy, every day we say, God, help that old man to die and help that new man to live. Like the Apostle Paul, we say, I die daily. Every day you got to take up your cross. You know why you got to take up your cross? Because that old man's got to die on that cross so the new man can walk with God. You know, you don't need to nail Jesus to the cross anymore and any other day, but you know what you should nail to the cross? You, your sin, and your flesh. Because he nailed it to the cross a long time ago, and you just need to let it be where God left it. Don't go back to the cross and pull your sin, your old ways, and uh, your old works off the cross and start doing that stuff again. That stuff that Jesus suffered and died on, let it be on the cross. But let believers who are children of the cross live in the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fullness of His Spirit. Because God said, hey listen, my children walk in the light because I'm in the light. And we have fellowship one with another because the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all our sin. She's glad for Jesus tonight. I don't have to work to get to heaven. I don't have to try to be good. It means that my salvation comes to me on the basis of pure and simple faith. Pure and simple faith. That's tough for us, isn't it? Because we like to complicate matters. God knew we were simple, and so he made it simple. God said, you're never going to figure it out. You're never going to finish it up. You could never accomplish it on your own. And by the way, tonight, I don't care how long you've been saved. I've been saved a lot of years. I still hadn't figured it out. I haven't figured out why he saved me. I've not figured out completely how he saved me, but I'm sure glad that he did. I'm sure glad that he did. 
I'm glad I can't explain God because if I could explain Him, He wouldn't be God. Some people want to have a definition all the time. You know, that's not faith. I don't always have to have an explanation. I don't always have to have an understanding. I don't always have to have a definition. Sometimes I just need to believe. I just need to trust Him. It's pure, simple faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Hey, listen, you go ahead and read that chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, and you tell me how many things you see accomplished by faith that could never be accomplished by works. Things that done that were supernatural. Things that could have never, ever been done. Listen, you want to see the supernatural again, believers? Start living by faith. We walk too much by sight, don't we? We got to see it. Before we take a step, we've got to understand it before we obey God. We've got to completely get the whole picture before we'll even trust God to obey God. Hey, how about tonight we just say, God, I believe you, and God, I trust you, and God, your word's true, and I don't have to understand it all, and I don't have to have a degree in theology tonight to do what God's word says. I'm going to obey it because I believe it tonight. And if you love the Lord, hey, boy, that's the life, just walking by faith. You know faith pleases God. Sure does. Pleases God. All those Old Testament saints who didn't see the cross, who didn't know Jesus on the cross, who didn't know that story, you know what they had to do? They had to trust that it was going to happen in the future. You know, and it was counted unto them for righteousness. You tell me, you read through that list in Hebrews chapter 11, boy, they were just a perfect bunch of guys, weren't they? Abraham? Man of faith, right? Left not knowing whither he went by faith. And then he wavered a little bit and went down to Egypt. Oh, you're going to have a son. And through his seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. He wavered a little bit when he listened to his wife and took Hagar, didn't he? He wasn't a perfect man. But I'm glad faith made him a righteous man. Noah? Come on, Noah built an ark to the saving of his house by faith. But was Noah a perfect man? Boy, Noah no sooner has got out of the ark in the new world and got himself drunk. He was ashamed, wasn't he? But I'm glad by faith, his faith was counted to him by, for righteousness. You can't look at one of those guys in Hebrews chapter 11 and say, oh boy, I know why God saved them because they were good. They weren't good. They just took what God said by faith. You know, not a one of us here tonight is good, and God doesn't save us because we're good. He saves us because we accept what He's offered to us by faith. By faith. Can you accept it by faith tonight? That the pain is finished, the plan is finished, that the payment is finished? Because if you can accept that, you can have eternal life. Wow. That's hard, isn't it? You mean just believe God? Just take Him at His word? Yes. You know, I'm glad I didn't have to be educated to be saved. I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't have to go through a program. I'm glad I didn't have to get baptized. You say, oh, you're a Baptist, and you say you didn't have to get baptized? Baptism never saved anybody. Never saved anybody. 
You see that old, that old uh, Ethiopian eunuch on that road reading from the book of Isaiah? Holy Spirit takes Philip and drops him right there. <clears throat> see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? What did Philip say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou mayest. Hey, you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ. Here's a question tonight. Before we sit around and fellowship around his table, it would be a sad thing if we never put our faith in the blood that was shed on the cross. We didn't come tonight to crucify him anew and refresh. We came tonight to do this in remembrance of him. Because as we remember him tonight, it unifies and purifies God's church. Isn't something for unbelievers tonight? It's not for unbelievers. Don't you take the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ lightly? Boy, there's a warning for that, isn't it? Many are sick and many sleep because they take the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. Don't you take that cup and take that bread tonight and then go out and live for the devil. You take that cup and you take that bread and say, God, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to live in gratitude. I'm going to live in light of your sacrifice. I'm going to live tomorrow by faith. Let's walk. Let's walk in the Spirit, church. Come on. I know we're in church. It's Sunday. It's been a long day. We've worshiped the Lord. We've heard messages. But what a shame it would be. We walk out of this place. We go and live for ourselves. We go and live for the devil. We go and live for what we want. We might as well just forgo the whole thing if that's what we're going to do. But if we've come together as God's church washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, let us come to remember his sacrifice and not take it lightly, but live because of it. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.